On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time Imon Irti Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashi Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. Vientalam again Omgrev, Orkorn Rachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. It may just have been a Saturday night league game, but there's no doubt Dublin delivered a major statement of intent in Croke Park on Saturday night as they recorded a 10-point victory over Kerry in what was an All-Ireland final rematch. Welcome to the latest episode of the Throw on Football Show. Will Slattery here with you. I'm delighted to be joined by Dick Turk and Anthony Boyle for our chat today where we'll be discussing the big game on Saturday night and plenty more. And Dick, I might go to you first. Obviously, we were previewing Dublin Kerry on last week's show, and I asked you about, you know, what kind of significance the game might have in terms of, you know, bigger tests to come later in the year. Now that we've seen it play out, and, and in particular, Dublin being so impressive and dominant, certainly on the scoreboard at the end of the day anyway, like, are you feeling a bit differently about the game now than you were maybe coming into it? In some ways, like, I, if, if you think back to last weekend's conversation, I did sort of look at, at Saturday night's game through the lens of, right, why did Kerry lose against Dublin last year? Where's their gaps? You know, as opposed to having the same sort of Clifford con conversations, and I sort of looked at the Kerry midfield and I'm just not, I wasn't 100% sure that there are a sort of a good, solid, traditional midfield that you, you sort of need to have a, to be willing all Ireland's and, and competing for them. And I suppose I watched the game on Saturday night through that lens. And, and I was sort of trying to keep as much as you can. I wasn't there in person, unfortunately, to try and track the midfielders, look at the kickouts, look at the impact. And in the first half alone, when essentially this, the game was decided, there was such a glaring gap between the two respective midfields in terms of, of the dominance and control, really, that, that Brian Fenton and the Dublin middle third had on the game in that period. By comparison to, to Kerry with 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 Jermard and, and Joe O'Connor, who are sort of a new partnership, just couldn't get any foothold. And by the time they did, in fairness, in the second half, they competed a bit better. The game was over. And, you know, as a Kerry team, with obviously ambitions to, to be winning all Ireland's with the talent to have elsewhere on the pitch. To me, that's sort of hammered home that point that that is an area that they really need to have to get right um, through the lens of beating Dublin in Crow Park. And that's that's the level that, that Kerry people set themselves at. It's not the, the more than enough for nearly every other team. But that's not what Kerry need to be looking at. And, and I think that that is probably the biggest head scratcher now for, for Jack O'Connor. That being said, their card has been marked in February for a bigger challenge, possibly in June or July. So he's no excuses that he hasn't been warned. And it'd be interesting to see, do we see any changes over there in that space over the next um, number of months? 
Yeah, well, Jack O'Connor said after the game he didn't think it was fatal to lose a game in February, but Dunnock obviously has touched on there some issues or some areas that he will be slightly concerned about. Um, you know, what what are your takeaways from the game, you know, in terms of what Dick touched on or anything that kind of caught your eye? Because it was, as an early season game goes, there was a lot of kind of moving parts to it. It was very interesting. Yeah, I think for me there was two main takeaways. One was, I think you look at Kerry, and I think you can legitimately ask the question now, have they moved on since the one All Ireland a couple of years ago? What have they found? What are they doing differently? Who is the different person? What's the differential? Like, you know, the the, the conventional wisdom says that you, if you're going to retain in All Ireland, you have to come back with something a little bit different and a little bit more. I'm not sure you can claim that that Kerry have done that. Um, it's still very much, you know, uh, David Clifford, we talk about him an awful lot and rightly so. But I think Paddy is sort of the man who makes them tick. He's very good in transition. He gets the ball from defence to attack. And it, we saw some new faces for Kerry the other night. But I'm not sure when the championship rolls around, you know, will Jack O'Connor still be looking at the bench and maybe it's Paul Murphy or Stephen O'Brien or someone like that. Uh, and I agree with Dick. Midfield is, has become a bit of an issue. And I think maybe in his absence, Jack Barry would be more appreciated than maybe he was when he was there because he was very dependable and very... Uh, he, he, you knew exactly what you'd get out of him. And the other thing I talked from it too is that quite quietly and almost by stealth, Desi Farrell seems to have done a great job of bringing along a handful of new and on the evidence of uh, Saturday night, Division One ready footballers. Like, you know, we we for five or six years, we were very, very, you could name the 16, 17, 18 players Dublin would use on big championship days. That's changed now. An awful lot of that six-in-a-row team are gone. But they were pulling players off the bench yesterday who look very, very comfortable in that uh, in that environment. And I think Desi has done an exceptional job on that front because the turnover of medal-laden, the experienced winners was significant in his time. And now, you know, they, they've he's picked up their second All-Ireland under him and he has, them, he has a, a new bat coming behind him who, as I say on Saturday night's evidence, look very much ready to take on the mantle. Dick, one thing I'd like to ask you about Dublin as well, you know, when they play that front foot style, you know, with their kick passing and being very aggressive, getting the ball into Conor Callahan, who obviously had a really, really good game. They're so hard to contain. And yet we see so often they get maybe drawn into more possession-based, you know, contests or happy to recycle the ball and, and aren't quite as aggressive all the time, you know. But when they play like that, why wouldn't they just play like that all the time? Because it seems to be so difficult to stop. It, that's what I was thinking watching them on Saturday night when they're so devastating. Yeah, I, th- I think, listen, every team's human insofar as their approach or attitude or motivation for a game. And, and whilst you might have the mantra sort of going in week in, week out, our standards shouldn't slip, you know, we see that all the time that for, for some reason a team's not on it and like say the Dublin Monaghan game like that looking at that through a different lens is obviously maybe Dublin were coming into that you know maybe weren't just fully mentally prepared and were caught on the night in many respects whereas yesterday they sort of would have had an indifferent start to the league in terms of those two early defeats and probably wanted to sort of lay a marker down so I'd say the, the, the motivation and the attitude was was very different for the Dublin team and again it's it's Kerry and Crow Park always a different context and you could just see that in the energy and the intent and the concentration that they had and, and that then brings the, the cream to the top and you know it, it, it's no surprise that the Conor Callahan's and the, the Brian Fettons and the Kenny's all perform better because good players perform 
at that level of, of I always call healthy tension and, and and it just brings the best out of them and, and you're seeing that they, they perform better when they operate at a higher pace for two reasons I think they, they just play better they're comf- more comfortable in that space but teams invariably can't stay with them when they ratchet it up and play in fourth fifth gear versus third their, their ceiling is so much higher at their best that other teams struggle to keep them if they're not on it and I would say Kerry probably maybe dining out on the sort of the, the, the drama and the win against against Mayo and, and Monaghan the previous weekend they were probably just caught on the heels a little bit on, on Saturday night and, and they shouldn't have been like they shouldn't have been and that would be a lesson that they're not good enough to play in third gear against a Dublin who are you know, coming coming to play, and 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 they need to be tuned in. And you've seen that in the second half. Like Kerry, I'd say they got a, a fairly harsh talking at half time, and you could see their change in application right after the throw in. Like I think it was a Jason Foley. Did he get, did he get the first two contests? With Conal Callahan right out the bat, and 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 again after chasing them for for thirty five minutes before that, so a lot of us to do with with attitude and mindset. Well, sometimes you get away with it. You get to half time, you get a break, and get to reset. Kerry didn't get that this half, or did on Saturday night the game was over by the time they got tuned in. Yeah, but it's funny. It was I think it was only five points in it with about ten minutes to go, and David Clifford had a really good goal chance that flashed yeah. over like. All of a sudden, that's a two-point game with time on the clock, and it ended up being a 10-point margin, but it could very easily have maybe gone a slightly different way, albeit, as you say, over the course of the game, I think Dublin probably were, you know, worthy winners. Don't get like, it's been a, a huge two-game kind of performance for Conor Callahan against Roscommon. He was very lively from play, and then, you know, hitting a hat-trick, you know, obviously says its own story. Like, it was a few years ago when it was almost like a David Clifford versus Conor Callahan, and obviously David Clifford's pulled away subsequently. But another reminder that when Conor Callahan's on form and firing, he is up there with absolutely any player in, in the country. Yeah, and I would suggest that given his, his physical skill set, he's sort of quite very strong and he's got a brilliant step. And I think inside... I don't think there's anyone better than him when he's in top form inside in terms of that threat beating the man and, and the ability to finish. Um, that goal, the, the the backdoor cut, now, which has all come into our vocabulary in Gaelic games in the last few years, that backdoor cut is his signature move. And he's absolutely brilliant at it. And if you see the step he does inside, like there's only one place he can really go there. There's, you know, He can't go straight at the goal because you know there's, the, there's a defender and there's uh, the end line and the angle is too tight. So if he's going for goal there, he has to step back inside. And he does a brilliant job of selling it to the defender. And I think there's two carry defenders, maybe Jace Foley's one. But two of them kind of half collide in his wake and then his finish is absolutely brilliant. But I, I think when he's in top form, and I don't think there's anyone more dangerous in the game inside than him when he's in that, that level of form. And, you know, he wasn't wonderful by his own lofty standards last year. Um, but like a full a full mass Conor Callahan, full mass Brian Fenton, Kieran Kilkenny, who, you know, I think maybe didn't start the Leinster final last year, if memory serves, he looks to be have a bit more urgency in his play. And then all of a sudden, like three or four of the informed players in the country are Dublins again. And, you know, I remember talking at this time last year when I was saying all along that, look, Dublin be fine, Dublin be fine, Dublin be fine. And they're, they're just in, great, in a great position at the minute, you know, and still with maybe one or two to come back in. And as I say, the support cast on the Evans Saturday night are maybe a little bit better than than uh, than they were being built. Um, I think over the last couple of years, we 
there was sort of a feeling that when this group breaks up, you know, the Fenton's, the Kenny's, that the last wave of the five and six in a row team, when that group breaks up, that maybe Dublin will go back a little bit. On the Evans on Saturday night, albeit a league game, I think the support act is, is a little bit better than that. I, I, I would challenge it a wee bit, Don. I, I, I agree with you, but it's, it's not the Dublin of... of 10 years ago or that that they don't have just such a depth of 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 tier one talent that they can get away with maybe having four or five players having an off day and then you can just switch them out and get the job done you know if, if even just, they don't need to be dick no but they don't you know need I mean? to they be need to be no they, will, they, will, they, will, they, will, they, will so uh, will they do in so far as the need Fenton, the need O'Callaghan, the are No, but I mean, like, support act, like, they don't need a Kevin McMenamin off the bench to rescue them as he did so often. I, I think that to have that core, that it's it's the Conal Callaghan's, Brian Fenton's, it's their team now, James McCarthy and, and Cluxton are obviously in the background as well. Uh, I, I think those guys, with where the game is at at the minute, like, Kerry will absolutely still be in the chase and pack and Mayo are all there and all the usual suspects are there. But I don't think they need to be at 2017 levels or no, 18 levels no, I mean, to win what, what, I mean by, what, I mean, what I mean by that is is, is is they're not as far away from everybody else because they are... I, I, I still do think, no more so than when Conor Callaghan wasn't there a couple of years ago, it effectively cost them All-Ireland when they went out and played, played Kerry. It was the margin difference. Like, to me, Brian Fenton alone... You take him out of that team because he is so influential for everything around him. Massive. You take him out of that team, whereas that Dublin team 10 years ago, you could rotate it an awful lot of all-stars, football of the years, and it was a seamless difference. I just don't think that because these players are just so good and so good in their respective positions, I do think that... So that, that's a bit of a risk in, in terms of scraping. You have them the more so... Yeah. Yeah. A lot of teams, Kerry, Clifford, Derry in terms of Glass, Rogers. I think, you know, they have them, they're playing great football, but they need them. Like, they, they lost against Monaghan. Monaghan, who we'll talk to in a minute, who are, look at how poor they were. They lost against Monaghan because those boys weren't at, weren't on it on that night. So that means they Yeah, no, I, I think I think we're kind of saying the same thing. I, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. Like, yeah, those boys are irreplaceable. But I'm just I just thought that on the evidence we were looking at the other geez, and, and, and we weren't that familiar with these lads that were coming on. And yeah, Kerry Kerry um made a bit of a, a run towards the end, but then Dublin reasserted themselves. And I haven't got in front of me, but if I had the, the 15 that Dublin had in the pitch at the end, I think like you know what I mean, I think a lot of Dublin supporters would trouble uh, struggle to pick them out if they met them on the street. Um so I just I just thought there was a it just struck me that Desi Farrell has done a fairly good job bringing these fellas through um, at that they can come in and see out the game in the way they did. Yeah, but 3-16 after score the other night, I'm just looking at the scores here, 3-16 came from Conor Callaghan, uh, Paddy Small, Kieran Kilkenny and even Bulger now who you put, he's more established. So yes, he's he, coming on there. It yeah, shows yeah. that there is still a, a sort of a, a sort of focus on, on sort of their key work. But you, see those supporting guys in Dublin, Donegat, you know Dublin football, there's another 20 guys waiting to come in who wouldn't be even that far off those guys that are coming yes. in because yeah. they've just such a wealth of talent as well. Don't, don't get away from that. And they have Derry now on Saturday, Donegat, yeah. obviously Derry getting their fourth consecutive victory. It sets it up very nicely. Um, you know, will you read too much into this game either? Like as you said, these league games, you know, you can kind of take what you want from them in some ways. But I think a lot of people are very intrigued to see if Derry's early season form, like is that good enough to beat Dublin the way they played on Saturday night? Yeah, I think I, I saw Derry against uh, Tyrone and I was coming away from that game 
in in Celtic Park. I, I, it was very hard to know where Derry's brilliance or how good Derry Wall was the deciding factor on how sort of marked absent her own war that day because they were really, really poor. Like they did some good things in the first half. But I think Derry now are at a place where they are they can deliver an eight out of ten performance almost routinely. And everyone knows precisely what their jobs are. And as we touched on earlier, to have a couple of key men and Brendan Rogers and Connor Glass and they kind of knit the whole thing together. Um I, I just wonder, like, Derry are going really well and it's very early in the year. And if you cast your mind back to to Mayo last year, I just wonder, can Derry be going this well using most of their key men playing a lot of minutes? Can they be going that well in the middle of July when the real stuff's going to be happening? And maybe they can. And maybe they've thought about this and maybe they're periodizing their their training in such a way. But it just that's the only thing I would think about Derry. Um especially because it's well known, they have one of the smaller panels of the top teams um, and deliberately so. I think Rory Gallagher kept a very tight group and it seems to maybe expanded slightly on the Mickey Hart but not massively. But like you could probably name 13 of the Derry team that would start in the morning if they were playing in an Ireland final. So, um, yeah, it, it's an interesting game. Probably more, Derry beat Dublin so it's hard to know who, who needs this more Um Derry beat them last year in Celtic Park. It's a brilliant game. So mm. um, it's 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 a it's, it's a funny one, but I'd be very interested to see how uh, how Derry deal with uh, Conor Callahan in this sort of form, and can they wrap him up, and can they uh, give Brian Fenton something to do going back the other way, which they did a great job on last year. I think Brendan Rodgers had a couple of great performances against them. So it'll be it'll, it, it's a very interesting one, uh, particularly as. You know, March is coming now and the championships is like championship. We keep well, I keep forgetting anyway. Championship starts in April and May. Like it's you know, it's it's nearly it's it's sometimes your brain doesn't compute like, like so we're coming into March we're six weeks away from the championship, I think maybe eight. I'm not sure exactly, but like it's 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 getting very close. In terms of, of your train, your block of train, like Mickey Hart wants to win everything. Like he's not he's not taking a break in the league to be ready for the Ulster Championship or, or or respectively, he's not then taking a break in the Ulster Championship to be ready for the Ireland series. He's he's at the level that he's at now, and there's 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 very little time to really do a whole pile of difference. Like so they're up there, he he'd want to win Dublin. He'd, he'd be looking at that no more than the Kerry game. He says, right, now Dublin are are top of the pile, they'll set to mark another challenge, and he'll be he'd be setting that out. So expect it a really competitive game from from Derry's point of view and I'm sure Dublin as well they'll be sort of wanting to like the all good teams wanting to, to keep the foot in the neck on any 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 pretenders coming from behind so like I, I think that'd be a really great contest very different dynamic expect you know you've already touched on Callahan's going to get a much tougher night than he did in Crow Park on Saturday night Fenton certainly won't get to waltz around Celtic Park. Nobody that I played there was a midfielder. No midfielder got to, to waltz around Celtic Park. Um and, and it'll be no different. So he he he'll get marked. Expect I would say Brendan Rogers to tag him and basically sort of say, you know, they talk about and Kerry Hammer the hammer is right. And no better man in terms of the, the physicality and the discipline to do a job. So you know, if you're watching that game on Saturday night, I'm sure or whenever it is and being televised, watch that as a matchup alone because that would probably go a long way to dictating the result. Yeah, nice five o'clock throwing time on Saturday early evening. Uh, I'm sure, going to be a great atmosphere up in Derry. Lads, I want to talk to you both about uh, you know Jarlett Burns' presidency kind of officially kicked off over the weekend, and he spoke a bit about you know intercounty spending and trying to curtail that or get it under control. But I think a lot of people were intrigued to see the makeup of this committee that's going to be looking at potential rule changes over the coming years. Jim Gavin chairing it, and some heavy hitters like you know Malachi O'Rourke, Aimee Fitzmaurice will be involved. 
to Nicolai, what, what would you like to see, you know, these guys, like all of whom have had major success in the inter-county game, going to take a look at in terms of maybe improving the spectacle? Um, I think when you're doing this job, you kind of, you spend most weekends at Division 1 matches and I definitely think it's, to some extent, you've come desensitised to sort of the over and back nature of it, the, you know, the absence of risk-taking. Um, I would like to see that incentivized but in saying that i don't really have an idea of how that might work um i think the big issue for jared bronze is and you touching it there i think the spend is massive i think the spend is massive it's it's a huge issue for the ga i think colin keys had an independent a week or two ago that has gone around the 40 million mark i think when you have that and you throw in integration which is going to be an expensive exercise because you're going to have obviously a whole new set of squads players charter that's going to have to be financed as well. I, I just I just wonder where all this money is going to come from. And I was talking to somebody who was at Congress uh, yesterday and they expressed the same sort of reservations about, you know, where are we going to, are we, like we're in an arms race at the minute. And where does that arms race stop? Like what, what do, like our county's going to run themselves into, into financial difficulty trying to fund their teams, getting bigger and better setups. So I, I think that's the big one. Um, the football aesthetic is, yeah, it, it, it's an issue. I still, still think we can brilliant games of football. I think Saturday night was quite, I think you could call it exciting, the Dublin Kerry game. And I always think the better teams are more adept at playing this sort of counter-attacking style of football than when you go further down the ladder. I think everyone's trying to do the same things, but the teams at the top of the top of the tree are that are that a little bit better to just have maybe the more breakout speed or maybe to just understand the rules a little bit better. Um, but I, I think the major issue for Jarrod Burns and the GA in general going down the line is is the cost of of is, is the cost of, of preparing teams. I think it's 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 gone crazy. And I know Dick has sat in committees in Crow Park. And I think it's nearly if anyone who's in or around it are just going looking at this thing scratching their heads saying like where are we going to get 40 million again next year and 40 something the year after that. And it like it's only going one way. It's not coming back. Yeah, Dick, like in terms of your perspective, like it on pitch, off pitch, what would you like to see tackled? Well, you have two different problems there. So let's take them one at a time. So so the game, right? The football review committee with 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 Jim Gavin's appointment. So I think the first thing we have to do in this conversation, and maybe Jim with with I know he's from a the way he works professionally will probably bring a sense of logic and clarity to this. Try to define the problem that you're trying to fix, right? You get a lot of talk and narratives around the game and the entertainment value, but who are you improving it for? Because, you know, managers and players, I don't really hear a huge amount of people shouting from that cohort, if you want to call them stakeholders, not to be using corporate jargon, but, you know, Matthew O'Rourke, Jim Gavin, Eamon Fismaris, they've all managed teams and, and would deploy tactics that, others from the outside in might have seen unsightly to the eye. So you have to sort of define what you're trying to, to fix. Okay. Is it to 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 sort of pacify the sort of the the older generation that can't sort of cope with this new game because they, they're looking at the, the, the past and rose tinted glasses because that is a narrative that that carries an awful lot of 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 mileage in terms of pundits from that era and people who go to the games. They, they grew up with a different game than they're watching now, and they struggle with that change. But is, is that what we're trying to change, to go back to that, to pacify that audience? Um, and 
then how do you do that? Like we've had rule changes over the last number of years that I think people haven't fully appreciated the impact that it's had on the product now. I maintain the black card in terms of the, the competitiveness and the, the nature of the game that we grew up with has had a negative impact on that. And, I, and, I, and I'll tell you why the, the level of contact and attrition that you would have had in the has, has largely gone because the black card is such a deterrent. So what do you do? And I know this as a player who, who played through that transition, instead of engaging with that player further out the field in a manner that might, some people might have seen was overly aggressive, you don't know. You stop, you passively defend, you step back and you mark space. That's what has evolved now in the black card because of, of, of that. So people have never really talked about that, but that has definitely been a contributing factor to the game. Um, people talk about more scores means more entertainment. It doesn't. It doesn't. Hurling alone will prove that. You know, soccer, we watch soccer every year. You don't have, like, it's not 10 6 in, in, in Premier League games. It could be 1 0, 2 0. Scores doesn't mean equal entertainment. Okay, so don't be trying to bring in rules just to make more scores because that doesn't equip. We've never more scores in the game, but we're saying it's not entertainment. So people really need to be clear about what, what you want out of the game. And I think that has been a misstep over the last number of years. And just to finish that point, Jack O'Shea, who I grew up idolising. He doesn't speak too often, but anytime he does, he, he talks about a very simple thing in Gaelic football is the contest. And the contest has gone out of the game. And that's what people miss. The high catching, the one-on-ones on either side of the pitch, the 50-50 ball. That is what brings excitement. On Saturday night, in the first 10-15 minutes, we've seen loads of contests and that's why it was entertaining. Do you remember those balls with balls dropping in on Conor Callan? Those balls dropping in on David Clifford? The won some, the lost some? That's entertaining. And I think that's what we need to try. If we're going to make changes, that's what the game then has. But don't be just chasing scores or chasing something else because that has proven to be the wrong approach to date, in my opinion, you know? The other thing, Will, is that, and this is the big problem that faces the administrators on their side of it, is that like, you can come up with a rule and it will be the most best intentioned rule in the world. But the first thing that will happen is, is that players and managers and coaches will look for a way to manipulate that rule in order to let them do the thing they want to do. So I, I always go back to the black card example in one of the Dublin Mayo finals that um, Kieran Kilkenny took a black card. Uh, at By the time the paperwork was done, another 30 seconds, 45 seconds, I'd opened the clock. And it was like he just, all the double forwards just pulled down the Mayo backs just to stop them getting away the quick kick out. And in that moment, the black card was used against itself. It was a, it was a piece of cynical play designed to help, um, help Dublin in that moment. And I think that was the day that David Clark put the kick out over the sideline. It was high drama. And that was like the last, the black card was meant to be a deterrent for that. Mm-hmm. But we hadn't foreseen the scenario where taking a black card, getting Dublin a chance to push up and get everyone marked was exactly what they needed in that moment. So the black card was actually a smart thing to do from a yeah. Dublin point of view. Yeah, you legitimized and it. Yeah. They legitimized you, you, you it. You weighed up so, the cost, the, the, the risk yes, versus exactly. the reward. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't place any blame on anyone for that. It was just like, it was just very hard to imagine a scenario where getting the black card was a good thing, but it it, it arose in, on the biggest day of them all. So there's always that. And the same like the advanced mark. Again, in, in, in your mind, when you think of the advanced mark, you think a long kick inside, and somebody wins the ball in with a high fetch over the fullback's head. And yes, reward the skill, give them a, a free shot of gold. You know, you can make that argument for. But what we've seen now is fellas standing, you know, on the, just inside the 45, 
25 meter kick pass across the thing, uncontested, hand up for the mark. And let's say it's one of your better shooters, he's a decent chance of kicking it. So, you know, again, the rule is being used against itself. And all of a sudden, you're getting, for no great skill, you are getting a free shot at goal. So that's the that's the issue. So like we're talking about 13 aside and would that help? The problem is I would say 13 aside would drive teams inward again. I think they'd take even less risks. I don't think all of a sudden it would be like free reign down the middle if you went 13 aside, which is one of the suggestions that have come up. So just think they have to be very careful about the rule changes it might do and the unintended consequences of those rule changes because it's only in time when these things play out that we actually see how they, how they affect the game. And, and the other point too as well, if, if if the rules was the problem, again this goes back to trying to define the problem, if the rules were the problem, the, 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 the lack of quality or the lack of entertainment or the spectacle would be across the board because juveniles, um, minors, B footballers, club footballers all play under the same rules. But we know from going to games at different levels, it's not the same. You know, you can go to a junior B game in Meath or a senior club championship in Monaghan and you see a much more traditional type game. So it's how the rules and the coaching and the, the, the you know, as sort of tongue in cheek this morning in my column, I sort of said, Jim Galvin just needs to tell everybody to play like Dublin, which <laughs> in all essence is still a very traditional mindset, albeit with a, a bit of modern approach into it in terms of keepers do their job first and foremost with all the innovations with goalkeepers Stephen Cluxon doesn't be coming up taking the ball around the 45 or up kicking points. He does his job better than anybody else and he focuses on that. Midfielders are midfielders, forwards are forwards, backs are backs primarily, whereas everybody else is trying to be too clever. So I, I think there's a big conversation to really understand what we're trying to fix first before we start putting rules forward. Because I think we've ran a wee bit too fast and as Dunnick has said, the laws of unintended consequences have, has sort of played out, you know? Yeah, I saw Jarlot Burns say over the weekend, if you get 20 people in a room to discuss this because of 20 different opinions like if there was an easy fix or an easy rule change that would solve everything it would have been done I presume a long time ago but it, it's it's not quite as simple I think it's sometimes it's, it's put forward by various people talking in the media about I, I think it. there has been an evolution Will in fairness like I do think the game is sort of like from that blanket thing trying to unpick it teams are so much better at unpicking it now that you know it, it, it has moved on and it has involved a little bit I think like if we go to that goal Armagh got yesterday you know, that, that was a long kick that was rewarded. I, I'm not sh- there was less of that. I wouldn't say that it was non-existent, but there was less of that maybe four or five years ago. So I think the value of the kick has been seen again. Yeah, um, I would agree with you. Just yeah, not done the at the right at the right moment. Sorry, Dick. Best teams, yeah, yeah. And I think I think I think a few simple wins, I think been the forward mark, it's added no value to the game. And I don't care what anyone's going to throw up stats that it's all 5.2% more kicks going forward. And as you say, some of those kicks are a cross-field kick 20 yards, somebody 40 yards out that's putting their hand up. That adds no value to the game. So I don't think anybody could sort of say the game has got better since the forward markers come in, especially when you see good players stop and putting their hand up. So so bin it and, and don't make any apologies for it and say it was a good, it was well-intentioned, but it had added no value. The goalkeeper has to come under question. And and Monaghan would have been Rory Began, you know, would have been a big you know impact on this in terms of you know people sort of saying this their goalkeepers coming out is that improving the game at a very simple level because that extra man with Neil Morgan and different keepers that's having a massive impact on the pace of play out in the middle of the third because players are so good now technically 
that one extra player out in that middle third of your deploying a keeper, you can just play keep ball for so long, which we see time and time again. So asking the question for the keeper, should he be made literally stay inside your 13 or 21? That's it. You do your job like Dublin do or Stephen Cluxton do. You know, let, let the outfield players play outfield football. Simple things like that could have an immediate impact on the game and doesn't need an awful lot of uh, rule changes or extra, you know, uh, umpires to officiate it either. Hmm, but certainly he's kind of comprised a very interesting committee with people yeah. drawn from all over the country so if if these kind of GA minds can't come up with a couple of tweaks or changes then I don't know what hope there is for, for future committees maybe to tackle it but it'll be fascinating to see over the coming months and years in fact what changes are introduced just before we wrap up lads um, Dick I might go to you first you know the Monaghan Ross Common game like a very disappointing day for Monaghan. You know, they'll be they'll be struggling to hold on to their Division One status now. Uh, but what what went so wrong? Just the scoreline alone would have been very jarring to people because you don't really associate Monaghan traditionally with at least they'll be very competitive, but to get blown away like that was I think surprising to a lot of people. Um yeah, tough day. Tough day. Probably one of the I don't think any Monaghan player, member of the management supporter would say anything else. It's probably one of the worst performances and and results that I can think of, you know, whatever, but maybe having a bad day against a Dublin or a Kerry and, and, and getting a bit of a licking, you know, you, you should be competing with that. You should be competing all the time against Roscommon and, and they didn't yesterday. No point in saying otherwise. Listen, Monon have done so well over the last 10, 15 years. We never make excuses like all the middle ranking counties. We have what we have. We do best. So we're not making excuses, but we can't get away from the fact that the weak hand that Vinny's having to play with. Like, the five of last year's All Ireland semi final player were able to start last game. We we just never had, even when I was playing, you never had the depth to be able to maintain that level of competitiveness. With and he's just had, like even from the Dublin game, he's lost Stephen O'Hanlon. You know, he'd Michael Bannigan, Gary Mohan, Ray McInnesby all out with injuries. I, I think Stephen O'Hanlon's is long term, possibly Ryan McInnesby's as well in hamstrings. That's very concerning because these are so important in terms of Monaghan's running game and that sort of box to box. And and you're just it's just asking far too much of the young lads coming in. Like four of their starting forwards are basically rookies and and they're good lads and they'll do will add value and they will be great modern players. But to be asking those boys to lead the line in division one football is a huge ask for them. And it's it's unfortunate, but they're just very short stacked. So you know, we, we need to get those players back, whether they'll get back in time for the end of the league to fight get enough points. It's hard to see, like the Galway coming up really is obviously is a must-win game. I think they still technically can stay up. They have to beat Galway um, to leave something to play for in the last two games. But they're just so, so short-stacked at the minute. And it's not to be unfair. I don't want to be saying those players aren't up at the level. But even Rory Began, you know, I'm going to be looking forward to watching him in the NFL Combine now in a few weeks' time. But like Darren McDonald is doing his best to step up to fill those shoes. But what shoes to fill? And, you know, even him, he's worth always a couple of points to Monaghan before a ball is kicked. And, you know, so it's... Just a tough time. We're just trying to trying to replace a lot of players, you know, very quickly with a lot of young players, and it's it's just difficult at at at, at Division One. But listen, we're not done yet. We'll we'll see. Hopefully, we can get a few players back. You know, Galway are beatable in Clonus next weekend, and we can get a scrape result out of that. Still, all to play for. Yeah, I think we know a man in the league. It's not over until it's over. So yeah. it's still uh, three rounds to go, and who knows what could spring up. The other game, uh, Division One wise, done get Tyrone beating Mayo with a very impressive second half display. And I just wanted to bring up in particular Derek Canavan, who's kind of, I wouldn't even say quietly having a great league, just having a great league, and even won the Sigerson Cup as well with a, with a massive performance for Jordanstown. 
like he's kind of become now one of the marquee forwards in the country or am I am I getting a bit carried away oh no I, I just I think it was a matter of I don't think anyone doubted his skill set it was just a matter of time I think the last little while Toronto struggled really since they're all Ireland I don't think there's any mystery about that and did quite a big turnover I think I did a piece earlier this year on it that was it after the All-Ireland they lost seven fellas now not all of them starters but fellas who were playing regularly and around the place like like Satirna McCann and a lot of good um, good solid established experience in the county footballer so I think Tyrone have been in they've been in a sort of a, a transition or they've been in a bit of a, a, a in, in hibernation a little bit I think since they won that All-Ireland and as I say I saw them against Derry that day and the best thing you could say about that day for, from a Tyrone point of view was the amount of fellas they were missing um, they got really got overrun that day but outside the dressing room there was a handful of all-stars and uh, a footballer of the year and you know maybe five, six fellas you'd expect to start on a given day so that was the best thing you could do about them um, from that point of view so I, I think they have an awful lot of talent and Dara Canavan and Darren McCurry looked like when it when when they're getting the right sort of ball they're very hard to deal with and Canavan's a great mix of like it's a cliche thing, but he's so like he moves exactly like Peter. Like his 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 even the way like he carries himself is the small little steps on his toes, and he's so elusive to get away from fellas and just see lads grabbing at, at fresh air at jerseys and and he's he he on the basis of those couple of scores he got early on, he's quite powerful as well and low to the ground. So, um, but yeah, that was the thing that struck me that he he moves exactly like Peter. It, it's it's actually uncanny. Is it ironic, ironic that we're talking about the rules in the game of football? Like that was a hard watch. That first half, Donny, uh, Tyrone and, and Mayo was was dire stuff on both sides. And yet then Tyrone changed their approach, you know, pushed up on kickouts, let longer ball in, and here you go. Great contest. Two inside forwards, don't know what they did. Like well, it begs the question, why 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 do teams overcoach and overcomplicate what is a simple game when you've got good inside scoring forwards, find a way to get the ball up there quickly? And this nonsense of everything else, you know, that 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 should be a fallback because that was the difference. And they got to be more worried about like Kevin McStay. We talked about attitude earlier, and I just don't think Mayo went up to Haley Park the other night with the right attitude and mindset from the, the team that the put out and as the game went on they just, just weren't at the races and and, and and Tyrone on the other hand very much where you know you could see the aggression you could see the intent and that sort of separates the teams out on a night like that and that was that was just played out the way it did well, It was another interesting weekend of National Football League action I'd like to thank Donica and Dick for joining me on this week's episode of the Throwing Football Show make sure to also listen to Michael Verney's Hurling Podcast that'll be coming out later today as well in the meantime you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts Spotify or listen on independent.ie so until next time, thanks so much for listening and goodbye.